and Arsenal Thing Podcast. Football's in our DNA. Funboy 3 and Banana Rama. Doesn't he play for West Ham? Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host Tom and with me is a man who tiptoes through life with mischievous intent in a vest. It's the one and only Silent Dave. The clock is ticking, the heat is on and the day of reckoning is almost upon us. Four cup finals and 12 points begging. Up next, Ted Lasso's Leeds, who was scrapping about to avoid joining Norwich and Watford to contest the Wyford Millet Challenge Cup in the Championship next season, which is probably presented by Essex makeup factory Gemma Collins. All right, babe, shut up, jog on. Right then, let's deal with the elephant in the room. We all know that Leeds have got a player called Robin Cock. Dave, stop smirking, for God's sake. It's not even spelt the same, it's K-O-C-H, okay? We're going to try and raise this podcast from the sewers of filth and depravity up to an intellectual level, if that's at all possible. So let's just get all the cock jokes out of the way, shall we, you bunch of infants? I don't want to hear that cock went in hard, standing firm, pushing forward or in from behind. Yeah, it's not funny and it's not clever. On the menu tonight, that much-anticipated game against struggling Leeds at the Emirates, we look forward to the North London derby, where a win will see Arsenal qualify for the Champions League. Hoorah! I'm joined in the gun room by Jay and Mitch to assess our chances. We give our analysis on the Leeds encounter, ask who was hot and who was not. There's the latest transfer rumours in six words or less. Also, Spanish Michael got a contract extension. Was that a smart move or reward for failure, as some people are saying? We'll give you our definitive answer. And Eddie and Ketia, time to cut a deal or cut our losses? That's one for the chaps later in the show. There's a musical interlude on Yorkshire. We answer your emails and ask Anelka or Wright. There can be only one. Ooh, that's a hard one from John Gillespie. Thanks for that. Leeds, the epicentre of all things Yorkshire. The Yorkshire Moors, Yorkshire Tea, Emmerdale, Shirley Crabtree, Mel B, Sean Bean, Leeds Castle, the Miners' Strike, Myra Hindley and Jimmy Savile. What happened there, researcher Dave? I was happy like the sun was in my face and the wind was in my hair in the first part. And then that end bit, I felt a bit poorly and confused, like the emaciated hand of the Grim Reaper called me into the inky blackness of oblivion, more commonly known as Middlesbrough. Note to self, Dave, light, engaging and entertaining. 
If you're from Leeds, you're known as a loiner, which could be derived from the various back entrances around Brigate, known as the Loins or the Loins, eh? Does it make sense? And no making up your own jokes about back entrances. Dave, we need a better calibre of listener. It's an Arsenal thing, it's an Arsenal thing. Believe it or not, it's an Arsenal thing. With football and transfers, you know who will bring. If you're listening to It's an Arsenal thing. Jesse Marsh replaced touchline squatting Marcelo Bielsa, which is visually more pleasant. And it's another example of the quest for value and efficiency. Bielsa insisted on an interpreter he didn't really need, and he paid the ultimate price. Saragossa, Bonamacha, Beamori, Bing, Bing, Bang. See? Anyone can do it. Absolute nonsense. No need for an interpreter. He just made it up. He knowingly mocked us, and that's what happened, sir. Oh, yes, you're out on your ear. Out on your eario. You embezzled the good upstanding folk of Yorkshire in an Anton Deck style prank. Seriously, it was more likely that Bielsa insisted on entertaining the football public without regard to results. Yes, Podders, those guardians of the beautiful game would rather have you bored by a win than cheering on a deserved point or admiring a loss. Right, it's not about Arsenal, but it's interesting. Let's get meaty. Michael Ballack poured uh, water on the Virgil van Dijk is brilliant brigade. He said Virgil van Dijk is very lucky to play in an era where there's no Drogba, Lampard, Shearer, Henri, Rooney, Van Persie, Tevez, Adebayor or Diego Costa. No wonder they think he's the best defender in the league. Do you agree with that? Bit of a point, a bit of a point, but it's always hard to compare players from different eras. I'll leave that up to you guys to ponder. The Metro carried a story. Arsene Wenger believes Unai Emery was unfairly treated by Arsenal and has hailed the Spaniard as a great coach. Emery, you will recall, replaced Wenger as Arsenal manager in 2018, but was sacked after just 18 months. Emery came close to leading Villarreal to a place in the Champions League final on Tuesday evening as they pulled level with Liverpool on aggregate before Jurgen Klopp's side sealed a 3-2 victory. When asked if Emery had been unfairly treated, Wenger replied, certainly yes, because they didn't give him a lot of time. What's your opinion? It's an Arsenal thing for at gmail.com. Come on, some of the football was dire, wasn't it? Time for some Arsenal-related news. Arsenal loanee Reese Nelson has found his form in recent weeks and is preparing for a European Cup final. Much to the delight of Robin Van Persie and Bukayo Saka, the Feyenoord winger started both semi-final legs as the Dutch side edged out Marseille to book their place in the showpiece final on May 25th. That's up against Jose Mourinho's Roma, who knocked out Leicester City. It's an Arsenal thing, it's an Arsenal thing. Believe it or not, it's an Arsenal thing. With football and transfers, you know who will bring. If you're listening to It's an Arsenal thing. If you want to get in touch or ask a question, it's an Arsenal thing for at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please like and follow the audio version and subscribe to the YouTube version of the show. It's time to enter the gun room for a natter. Hi, welcome to the gun room. With me is the Podcasters. They're all firmly back in the old uh, gun room. How are you, Jay? How are you, Mitch? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Good, good. We've got lots to discuss. Uh, we're still on a roll. Uh, everyone's fairly happy. Well, most of us are fairly happy. Um, second to last game at home at the Emirates uh, against the struggling Leeds. It had plenty of talking points. We get to those. There's the Luke Ailing sending off at 27th minute. But uh, before that, let's get to the formation. Four, two, three, one. Uh, we've got Ramsdale, uh, Cedric Suarez holding 
Gabriel, Tommy Asu, Elneny, Xhaka, Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli, and Enketia. The only surprise, I guess, was Tommy Asu flipped out to the left, Jay. How did you feel about that when you saw it? Yeah, great to see him back, um, especially with the Spurs game coming up. Um, it was a surprise, but, um, you know, he's. I think he's been ready, hasn't he, for a, a week or two now. It's just... Um, kind of thought, you know, Dan James can be a bit tricky, can't he, for, for Leeds? And you thought maybe he was brought in to, to potentially deal with him. But over the moon, because to have him back against Spurs to, uh, you know, fingers crossed he stays fit. And, um, you 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 know, up against Son, you know, it's a big plus point for us, isn't it? So really good to see him back. Yeah, obviously for the Spurs game, they're going to flick him back, aren't they? They're going to put him on right back because that's where uh, Son and Kane virtually uh, do their stuff. Um, any surprises for you, Mitch? Anything you didn't like? Anything you thought, oh, hold on a Yeah, minute. so, I mean, Tommy Asu playing left back, I wasn't thrilled about. Uh, I, I've, uh, I mean, this is my first back time back. I've been gone for a couple of weeks, so I haven't talked to you guys about the United or the Chelsea or the uh, West Ham game. Uh, but, like, you know, most of this team has been the same from those matches. Uh, Mohamed Elneny and Eddie Nketiah. Um, and then Rob Holding as well, who played great against West Ham, have all come in and really, really done a great job. Uh, Tavares was, uh, you know, being Tavares, uh, where he, you you have some bright moments, but you have some uh, moments that you, you can't be too sure about. Um, and I was a little wary when I saw the lineup of like, I would really rather us play everyone in their like preferred positions have to, I know Tavares is sporadic, but I'd rather have him in than like, than one of Cedric or Tomiyasu playing out of position. Um, I was very happy to be wrong. Tomiyasu did fantastic in that left back role during the match. Uh, I mean, very, very good two footed player. So he was very effective with his left foot. Uh, and he looked like he's been playing at left back for ages. So, um, you know, a lot to like. I think uh, I'd probably keep the same team for Spurs other than Ben White potentially coming back in if he's healthy. Um, the question with that has to be, uh, do you bring him in for Cedric or do you bring him in for holding? Because uh, if we're playing in Spurs, maybe we want to sit deeper. Maybe we want a bit of play in a lower block um, so they aren't able to spring that counterattack because that's when Spurs have been at their most effective when they're able to not have the ball as much play on those counters with Kane and Son and and just be devastating with that. Um, and a team that sits deeper, if we had a, a block of Tomiyasu, Gabriel, uh, holding in white, that's a pretty formidable back four uh, that could transfer into a, a back three and in, in possession um, that I think would be potentially interesting uh, tactically if we, if we did decide to go with that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what Arteta goes with on Thursday. But I, I really liked the lineup uh, on uh, yesterday and it worked out really, really nicely. It's it's kind of got to that stage of the season where his plans and everything else have kind of settled in with the people that he's got available, Jay. It's, it's just landed at the right time. People that were we were looking at and thought, well, well they shouldn't really be in the side. They've suddenly developed. El Nani, um, I've said this before, I'll say it again, I can't believe it's the same player. Xhaka on, on that uh, left-hand side pushing forward, slightly advanced role, superb. 
holding comes in and it's like he's never been away. It's it's really incredible how they've done it. Yeah, it's um, it, you got to give him each one of them credit, you know, especially the the players that haven't been involved as much as you know, like Shaq has been there all season. But um, Mikel's done a great job of keeping them, you know, feeling like they're still involved in the squad. Um, uh, El Nenny's always had a really really great, or, or seemingly has a really great sort of uh, attitude outwardly, very positive. Um, and he's been. I mean, they all have. They've all they've all been superb. But I, I think you have got to give the manager and the players themselves credit because you can, you know, they're still tough games, aren't they? We've, 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 we've picked up some, well, maximum points in the last four games and they're all tough games. Every game's tough and he, each player has, has done their own bit and, and it's a credit to them because even in Ketia, you know, he wasn't involved, was he? And he's just, he's taken his chance and um, the, the players deserve credit and so does the manager. And uh, you live in hope that they can just keep going um, you know, get anything other than a defeat on Thursday and it's it will be a positive result, won't it? And then that positivity continues into the final couple of games of the season. So, um, yeah, long may it continue. They've done superb. Um, yeah, like, like I say, long may it continue. Um, they, we, we, we're still, at, we're lucky because we haven't had any injuries, have we? Really, we haven't, we've been, we've managed to avoid any injuries to those, to, to a, still a very sort of, um, well, I mean, to be fair, the reason we're playing El Nene and uh, like these players is because we've had some injuries, like where we yeah. had and Tierney, Hardy, and and Ben White have all been hurt, uh, and they've all come in brilliantly. Thank you for saying. But the thing is, if um, if Party was in, uh, he was injury free now. I don't think you get a sniff at the minute because it's so solid at the minute. I know it was only Leeds. I know they're struggling, but then before that, it was West Ham. Before then, it was Man United and Chelsea, you know. Um, I think it's one of those situations where you're, like, thrilled that the backup is playing well, where you don't feel a need to rush a player back in. It's like when Tavares played really well when Tierney was injured at the beginning of the season, and then we didn't have a need to, like, rush Tierney back before he was healthy. Um, I mean, it's the opposite of that with, like, Pablo Murray. I think if Partey was fit, I would still look to in, reintegrate him into the side, you know. I know he's done well, but you know, I think Party's a completely different midfielder to any, everybody else that we've got. And he, uh, we've spoke about it at length, haven't we? The way he can carry the ball and pick out passes, and El Nenny's done great, absolutely. But I think he, he him himself would admit, would, would I think you know he's not on Thomas Party's level, is he? So um, I would look to reintegrate if he is fit and he is ready to play. I'd look to reintegrate him back into the side, definitely. I just want to go back to Tommy Asu. Um, he fascinates me. I mean, so solid. He can play anywhere. We could probably put him up front and he'd get a goal. He's, he's a strange lad, isn't he? Um, his stats for that game, 100% crossing, 100% in the final third, his passes, and uh, no one dribbled past him. So consistent. Yeah, so consistent. And out of position as well, you know, it's not everyone can do this. He's an exceptional player from that point of view. Plays on the left, plays on the right, and he can sit in the in the middle with as a centre back. It, it's a phenomenal gift, honestly. Um, Simon pointed out last week. You talk about Tavares. Uh, pointed out that he's not actually uh, a left back. He's he's more known as a wing back, uh, sort of an advanced role. I think that could probably explain a few things 
Um, guys, would you, in the summer transfer window, would you top that left-hand side up and we'll see how Tavares can be employed in some other role? Jay? I, uh, sorry. Go ahead, Jay. You're right. Okay, you go. Uh, so, I mean, we, like, in the last week, we're, like, linked to another Bologna fullback. Uh, uh, his name's Hickey, a uh, Scottish uh, left-back for Bologna. Uh, from what I can see, looks, like, very, like, kind of similar mold to what we've seen out of Tomiyasu. Uh, we're very two-footed um, and and a lot more secure defensively. And I've been, I've been someone who's ardently defended uh, Nuno Tavares and I really want him to succeed because he has a lot of physical qualities that you could see him to succeed. Uh, but if we have an available, he, the, the, the fact that Arteta chose to go with Tomiyasu left back and Cedric at right back shows that uh, I, I think, especially against Leeds, conveys that he's valuing the defensive stability over the chaos that Tavares can provide uh, offensively. And, and I, I think Tavares definitely has his merit and he has his ability, uh, but he's got a lot of room to grow. And especially for a Champions League side, and Karen Tierney isn't the most dependable left back when it comes to availability. Um I, I don't think it'd be the worst idea for us to look to, to strengthen our depth in the summer. Uh, Hickey in particular looks like a, a really, really solid player uh, that, that could fit the mold really well and not only be able to come in to uh, be a backup to Tierney, but to also uh, push him and, and push him forward. I don't know what it is about Scotland where they're just, just churning out these left backs uh, but they got Robertson, they got Tierney, and, and then uh, this 19-year-old Hickey uh, that are all just, like, coming through their ranks. Uh, at, this, at, at some point, they're going to roll out of the World Cup next year uh, if they qualify with a team full of left-backs. Um, but I, I do think that it would be interesting. Um, I, I think that there's a decent chance we look to maybe strengthen our depth at left-back. And, um, I mean, I don't think we should sell to Mavaris. Uh, I, I think maybe look to send him on loan somewhere, uh, but like a very intentional loan where he's going to be taught well and utilized well as to learn his defensive craft a lot more than he has. I think the secret is Iron Brew and Haggis. Uh, I think that's what's doing the trick. What do you think, <laughs> Jay? You think uh, we're out for a, a left back in the summer? I, it's, it's inevitable, <laughs> isn't it? Really? Yeah, I think you, you can you can take it back through the entire season. You know, Arteta's been reluctant to use him, hasn't he, Tavares? Because because of how maybe he, how much he struggles defensively. Um, and yeah, I agree with Mitch. We shouldn't sell him, um, but I strongly think we're going to strengthen at left back because um, we needed somebody maybe a little bit more pragmatic, don't we? Somebody just a bit similar to Tierney um, and, the, and the lad at Bologna fits the bill perfectly. Um, but there's a player in there with Tavares, isn't there? That we, We've all For seen sure. him. We've, we've all seen it. I mean, he's, I think he's a bit, potentially, I don't know this obviously, but maybe confidence has been an issue this season. He seems like maybe a tad fragile when it comes to confidence. So a loan move, one or two loan moves. Um, so he can, so he can get that confidence and that self-belief and then come back. Cause I mean, he's a physically, he's a, he's a big guy, isn't he? He's, he's got it physically. He's, 
It's just maybe the mental aspect of the game, especially defensively, that he just needs to work on. If we do strengthen, it doesn't mean that it's it's over for him. He just he just needs to needs to progress, doesn't he? Like a, like everybody. Um, so yeah, strongly think we're gonna we're gonna bring somebody in. Yeah, very much so. Right. If you're listening to this and you want to add something or you want to pick up a point that the chaps have made, it's an Arsenal thing for at gmail.com. Keep all your emails coming in. Uh, I love milling through those. Do we, uh, do we have any from, from John now that we're, we're winning? Because I haven't been. I mean, the last pod I was on was right after the loss to Southampton. So John's been strangely John, quiet. John was rightfully pissed off because uh, <laughs> we just lost three games. But I don't know. We've won four games off the bounce against good teams. I don't know. John's probably like withering away. Like he's not, he doesn't have anything to be negative <laughs> he's, about. He's under a bush in my garden, under a big <laughs> stone, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? It's like when, um, do you remember a couple of years ago when Man United were uh, flavor of the day, winning everything, and uh, you used to see United shirts out uh, in the supermarkets, in the street and all that. And if they got a loss, that was it. You didn't see anybody. Um, around, around where I live as well, that's the Liverpool factor. If Liverpool are doing well, everyone's got a Liverpool shirt on. If they have a defeat, that's it. You know, if they don't win the league this year, we probably won't see a shirt till maybe May next year. Um, <laughs> right, let's get on to that game. There's a, there's a couple of talking points. Um, Mitch, do you want to take us through the opener? Messler had a howler. Uh, how bad oh, yeah. was that for a goalkeeper? Now, I, was... I thought he was going to burst into flames and then yeah. cry himself out. I mean, I, I I get it. Like, I I was a goalkeeper when I played. So, like, that mental aspect of, like, you have to have, like, the memory of a goldfish when you're a goalkeeper or a defender. Like, you just have to move on quickly. Um, and I feel like Messier did that. I, I feel like he he had a decent – like, he, he – by no means a great performance after that initial mistake. But, like, I feel like he – I mean, we, we didn't score more than two in a game that we could have scored six. Uh, and I, I feel like Messier didn't have the worst performance of his career, uh, but he had one of the worst mistakes you can have as a goalkeeper where you just take too long on the ball and it just gets out uh, away from you. But, I mean, huge credit to Eddie there, um, who has just been fantastic on the on, on his, like, his pressing. Because, like, we've... I feel like we've given Lacazette uh, some good credit and even Aubameyang uh, for pressing uh, higher up the pitch throughout our entire season. However, we haven't seen either of them do the impact that Eddie has done in just his four games. Uh, Eddie has contributed two goals exclusively from his high pressing. Um, and maybe another from if my, I'm uh, blanking, but the, the first one against Chelsea and then the first one against Leeds directly came from uh, from Eddie pressing really high and doing doing it very, very effectively. And, you know, he's just got that instinct. Um, that's that's one of those things that, like, makes me believe that Eddie can become a top, top striker is he's always had that instinct, that that goal, that goal instinct um, where I was looking at his shot charts for the last couple of years this morning and, you know, they're all, all of his goals are littered within the six yard box. And it's like, yeah, that's the instinct to, to find those balls and, and score. You know, we like, we saw it in the Carabao cup this season where, you know, he gets in those positions where he can do that little back heel flick, like really, really good in the six yard box. But something we've seen in the last four games is he's shooting from uh, different angles. He's, 
He's adding uh, a lot of really ele- uh, huge elements to his game that we've seen throughout this season. We saw him in preseason. Like, I think if honestly, if Eddie didn't get hurt in preseason, the top four race would have been wrapped up already. Like, if he got a chance early on, because because (laughs) he was really, really looking good in preseason. We were seeing a little more of this of this movement that we've seen um, from him so far uh, in these in these last couple games since he's coming to the side um, and and adding these more these these dimensions to his game uh, that have made him more of a complete striker rather than just the Fox in the box. Um, if he doesn't get hurt in, in preseason and then Lacazette and Obama and get COVID against Brentford and Ketia starts, Ketia might've like gotten a lot more game time this season. Um, and we could have seen a, a, a lot bigger of a sample sample size from him. Uh, I mean, obviously I'm speaking just very hypothetically, but you know, these last four games, he's been phenomenal. He's scored in two of them, but he's been one of the best players on the pitch in all four. No, you know what? Five. He, it's against Southampton. He was fantastic um, to where I wa- wanted him to start again against Chelsea. And he did. And then repaid me writing an article about him by scoring two goals. So, um, you know, he's he's adding a lot of these layers. I I would love to see him sign, uh, sign a contract, honestly. Um, I, I think he's got a lot of those, those physical tools that you, you don't see a lot of times in strikers uh, with that kind of instinct. Uh, and then he's adding all these different layers to his game. He's a very, very exciting striker project uh, for a 22 year old, wherever he's at next season, he's going to be really, really good. I will hang my hat on that at least. I think the thing is, is uh, if it's the Europa league or the champions league, the issue is a 22 year old striker, going up to that level. I'm not saying he can't do it because he, you know, I've had my problems with him in the past, as you know, Jake. Uh, I'm not saying he can't do it, but it's a lot of pressure on the kid. Um, Surely in the summer, we're going to get one at least if he does stay. And he's just going to have to take his pick. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're going to sign a striker no matter what. Like there's not a thing that happens from here to the end of the season where we don't sign a striker. The question is, is if we sign two. If Eddie was to sign a new deal, I think we maybe look in a different direction. Like I've been thinking, I had this idea that I think the Gabriel Jesus deal was like, it looks very secure. Like it makes a lot of sense uh, to have him as like the second kind of option where he can play a variety of positions um, and we'll have a lot more matches, can play striker, can play on the wing. If Eddie stays, I don't know if I really necessarily want us to sign a Gabriel Jesus anymore. I would rather us go for premier number nine and then uh, someone who can play more out and out as a wing depth. Not like, I still want us to sign like a, I, I, I wouldn't want Gabriel Jesus to be our premier striker signing period. Um, I would want him to be a secondary one. If we did sign two. Uh, like I would want love of like a Victor awesome or a Tammy Abraham. Those would be like my, my top two that uh, we've been like linked to. Um but I think it a lot what can happen with Eddie will be interesting uh, from now to the end of the season with his contract, uh, because I think he's a really, really talented player. I don't think he should be our main striker next season by any means. But I think if he stays, he will get game time. So, but like at the very least, if you're him, uh, it makes a lot of sense for him to want to go somewhere else. Like, you know, Tammy Abraham is a great example 
where like if he had stayed with Chelsea, he probably would have gotten game time this year. But if he goes to Roma, he's all of a sudden the main man. And then now he's being looked at by other Premier League clubs as this big money signing. So if you're Eddie Nketiah, it makes a lot of sense. It, it makes a lot of sense for Arsenal to want to extend him, but it also makes a lot of sense for Eddie to want to leave. Um, Jay, uh, have you noticed the difference in these four or five games that we've been talking about uh, him personally? I noticed he looked a bit more confident, a little bit uh, more on the ball, a bit more sure of himself. What have you noticed about Nketiah? I mean, you look at his second goal against Leeds, that, that is a that's a difficult finish. You know, he's, he's, he's leaning back and he's, he's flicked it and he, he, he knows where he is in the box. His, his awareness is great, finishes it beautifully. And I want to add to what Mitch said, we have seen a lot more to his game in the last few weeks, but that's all confidence-based. As soon as you start scoring, you start trying these new things. And when things go your way, like you could argue both his goals against Chelsea were, were down to him pressing. He forced the second goal into with the... I can't remember who was playing centre-back for, for Chelsea, but he forced them into mistakes and he popped it in, didn't he? he it, with confidence, it comes, you know, you start to see a lot more. And, that's, and don't get me wrong, he's done fantastic. He has, but it's a very small, a, a very few games. You know, he's been practically absent all season. Not not his fault. You know, Lacazette's been played ahead of him and he sh- he's, he's, he's certainly maybe showing Mikel that he should have been given a chance earlier in the season. But for me, I mean, yeah, I, I think if we have the chance to sign somebody like Jesus, regardless of what happens with Eddie, we have to go with it. Like that, that, I, you go on. I think to be fair, I might be uh, just being like seeing a striker that has legs and I'm like, oh my God, he's the greatest player I've ever seen. So, yeah. uh, you know, that that may play into it where we've been watching Lacazette and Aubameyang play striker for us all season. He's, uh, and now, I mean, he's he's done so well and it's great to see. Um, yeah. The, the cynic in me, you know, he's playing for a contract somewhere, you know, um, but he's always had a great attitude. Like, you, you can't, he's been at the club for years. He, he knows the Arsenal way, but... At the end of the day, I think he knows that he's not going to get the amount of game time that he, he he wants and he requires. I'm not sure if he went to... Uh, I mean, well, what clubs will come in for him? Because I still think... I don't uh, think... I don't Palace, think gonna, they just, uh, What? Somebody like... Teams like that level, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure he does as well. I think... It's only a very few games, and I think the clubs can see that. He hasn't consistently done it over the season, and I think he needs to be careful himself as to what clubs he goes to, and he doesn't just fade off, fade away into, into you know, he's a good player. No doubt about that. He's, he's a predator in the box. His instinct, very sort of very similar to Ian Wright. First touch, he's always good. He's always press. He's pressing. Give him an Ian Wright uh, comparison, and you're not, you don't want to say. He's not like the main man. He's just he's, he's just making an <laughs> illustration. Just a little painting. Yeah, he, even like <laughs> he, you know, he's got similar. You know, Jermaine Defoe back in the day, similar. You know, but I hope you know. Don't get me wrong. I'd love it if he stayed, and as a second striker, it would be great. But I just think we to get to where we want to be. I mean, we're all, we're nearly we're very close to being where we want to be, but to take us to up another level, uh, I think we we need somebody a lot more seasoned, a lot more proven. Um, but 
if Mikel manages to get him to sign a new contract, fantastic. I just think if he does sign it, I think Eddie knows himself that he's not going to get the game time. And, and it's sad because because he seems like a nice guy, doesn't he? He's, he certainly doesn't come across like he's he's um, disruptive or selfish in any way. Um, and if he did go on and leave, which looks like that might be the case, then you can only wish him all the best, can't you? But you just you have the feeling with him that if he did go to somebody like Palace or like an Everton or, or, or somebody like that, that his career... I don't know, it might stall and, and, and he might just sort of become an, just a, one of those strikers that could have been decent and didn't quite make the grade. But, you know. I think, I think that's the main decision, isn't it? You know, you can play for Arsenal and maybe not get as many games or you can play for Palace and play all the time. And maybe, you know, if you get in the, just inside the top 10, you've had a great season. I mean, what does he want out of his career? That's that's going to be the main compare, issue. If you were to compare, OK, Lukaku scored a couple against Wolves. But if you were to com- if you sat down with somebody who hadn't seen either of those two and said one of these is a hundred million pound player and one isn't, you would say Nketiah is the hundred million pound player. But, you know. It, we all know there's a player there and we're all obviously enjoying what he's doing. Um, but. I don't know. I don't know. I'm still not completely convinced. Um, let's look at that second goal again. We've spoken about it briefly, but Enketia, uh, who we're raving about, um, he was involved in the build-up as well, wasn't it? It was a cheeky little L turn to his left and then feed it out. Uh, I, I don't know who it went to, but then he made his, his kind of run. He decided he was just going to canter uh, up to the box, and then it reached Martinelli, who you know, did all the donkey work. Ah, and then, uh, that's that's what I was saying. Where he's becoming more of a complete player, where he was doing dropping deep, which is what Lacazette's really good at, and then he's able to get have the pace to get back into the box because it's what we haven't seen from Lacazette. I'll tell you I what. Mean, did you? Um, sorry, did you see that bit where two Chelsea guys were trying to mark him? They stood in front of him. And he oh, just yeah. mugged them off and he just moved aside. That was absolutely brilliant. Sorry, Jay, carry on. No, no, I was just going to say, uh, you know, Martinelli for that goal, he was, I mean, he was quite, game. He, he was relentless, wasn't he? And he, he did, yeah. they were trying to, I mean, obviously we'll get onto the red card, but they were, they were doubling up on him. They were trying to get sort of physically, weren't they trying to um, maybe get to him that way? And he just brushed them off and he's so strong and isn't he, isn't he now? And he's so, and again, he's another one, super confident. Um, and he was in that build-up to the goal. I mean, he was fantastic. Great. Someone was saying on uh, social media, you should get more goals. But you, you don't mess with a player like that. The goals will come. He's just yeah. reaching that level before he had that injury. That's yeah. what I think, anyway. He should have scored. He, he was unlucky to not have a goal against Leeds. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, he had a great game and got in some really good positions. And then just you know, the final ball wasn't there which we can say for everyone bar Eddie and Ketia for the match. Right. We move on to the 27th minute. Luke Ayling, uh, once in the Arsenal Academy, I believe, yeah, yeah. Uh, did a two-footer. Uh, what did yeah, you disgusting. make of that? Well, if, if Martinelli's, I mean, I know everybody said it, but if his foot is planted and, and Ayling catches his ankle, he broke his leg and half. He's, 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 yep. got a, he's got an Aaron Ramsey. You know, luckily, um, luckily Martinelli, saw him coming at the last minute um, and, and managed to jump up. The, 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 the bizarre thing for me is why the referee only gave Ailing a yellow card. Like before he went over to VAR, what, what did he see? You, you know, like it was the most blatant two-footed challenge. I, I think, I think 
my thought process at least when i saw the yellow was that like the rep was like this will go to var but I, I can't give a yellow if it's not a red card challenge from var where like if i give the yellow now like because i know at the very least it's that um but i wasn't close enough to see it's going to go to var i'll be able to check and get a closer look rather than right off the bat give a red and then it's not a red card challenge it goes back and i can't even give a yellow because of it because you can't get you can't give yellows for uh on var looks um so i, I think it may have been a proactive thing or maybe cloud, he like was fully thinking it was a yellow card yeah no absolutely uh, you know, it was a red card. all of the lead supporters or you know they all go they all they're super impressed they like that whatever um and then you look at the Arsenal supporters and they hate it. And I think when there's a reaction like that from the crowd and, and, and the tackle, you know, it occurred right on the byline. I think, you know, the referee can look at things like that. And, and you know, it's it was never a yellow. I, re- I mean, unless, like Mitch oh, said, no. unless, see, unless he could, didn't have a good enough view. I just think when you see a reaction from the supporters like that, you know, I think that he knew, didn't he? And I, I mean, ultimately, it didn't take him long because as soon as you saw one, one replay... It was it was horrendous, wasn't it? And even even Ailing knew, didn't he? When he walked off, you could see it in his face. He was like, "There was one think- shot. He had his head bowed a little bit, and he was looking at his boots, sort of thinking, uh, I know I what's sure. coming.' I don't know. I don't know. He was talking I'm- to Granit Jaka, and I was like, well, I wonder what Jaka's saying to him.' Right and I'm sure now. he's like- going to Gabriel. <laughs> Gabriel was like, you know, what the what the f? And he was like, oh, I'm sure you could see him lip lip like basically saying, "I'm sorry." He didn't. I think he just lost his head, didn't he? It was just he was getting mugged off all through the game by Martinelli, and he just wanted to just smash him in half. But you just can't do that, can you? Um, it was interesting. It all started. There was a bit of a hubbub, wasn't there? Rafinha. Uh, I thought he was going to get sent off. I thought. It, I uh, thought they were about to go to nine men because Rafinha was losing his mind. Yeah. Uh, like he got the yellow, for the got set, and then he kept card. yelling. And I'm like, yeah. give him another yellow, please. Do it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to tell you, my position, if I was a referee, and uh, you know all that crap that you used to get back in the sort of uh, 90s, noughties, early noughties, you get all these players following you up and down the pitch. I'd have none of that. I'd be going back off or you're going to get a card. And I would have done the lot. You know, uh, Man United were notorious and Liverpool have been down the years, haven't they, uh, for ganging up on the ref, trying to get in his ear. Um, I'd have none of that. Rafina. Um, I think he should have gone. Really pushed his luck. Cool, yeah. Um, His own players were pushing him back, saying, what are you doing? And when Jack is sort of trying to reason with someone, you know it's wrong, don't you? (laughs) Um, Well, our record for not conceding corners, that's gone. It was a mess, that goal, wasn't it? Um, Who wants to talk us through it? Diego Lorente, wasn't it? Um, 66 minutes. Go on, Mitch. I'll let you do it. Uh, we so, were called uh, cold. Yeah. Uh, really, really unlucky that, like, that was our only opportunity the, the, for the entirety of that of the match. Um, and it comes at that time. Uh, it, like, it was our first corner, their first attempt on goal. Uh, they had two touches in our penalty box in the first bit of the match. It was the flick on uh, on the header and then the shot. And it was like, really? Like, that's, it's just like how the game works, you know? Um, it's, it's like so, they kind of forgot the basics of how to defend and, and keep someone further back. Because they all went to, like, the, 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 the post where the corner was coming in. 
So yeah. they all disappeared. And he just had a free go, didn't he? He had a free pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was quite embarrassing, actually. But, um, oh, well, let's let's move on a bit. Um, so despite dominating Leeds, we didn't quite get the cricket score that we wanted. And that seemed to offend a lot of people on social media. And a lot of people were bellyaching about the performance. Uh, as I said to Mitch just before we came on, there was a guy saying we played for, for 10 minutes and for the rest, we weren't very good. I mean, it's about... And we also said just before we came on, let's backtrack a bit is that if someone had said after three defeats on the bounce that you're going to finish this season in contention for the top four slot and the Champions League or the Europa League bare minimum, you would have ripped their arm out of their socket. So I don't really understand what some people are watching because what I saw was a team, okay, uh, Arsene Wenger once said that sometimes it's harder to beat 10 men than it is 11. And I think that was the case. But we got the three points. We got the two goals. We're into the North London derby. Four points clear. And if we win this, we're in there. What's mm-hmm. the problem? You, you can before the Leeds goal. You know, you, you rewind back and Saka had a great chance, didn't he? When the ball went out to the, you know, he's disappointed. He shot it straight at Melier, and obviously there was the the Pepe chance at the end. You know, oh my God, Pepe. yeah, uh. we made we made it. We, I mean, we did the Arsenal thing. We made it difficult for ourselves, didn't we? We, yeah. You know, we were cruising, weren't we, before before they equalised. And uh, it's all about, at the end of the day, I, I said this on after the game, it's all about results. Just performances don't matter at this okay. at the moment. Get the wins. Get the. If we can come out of the Spurs game with anything other than a defeat, like I said earlier, then that's a good result. It's all about just if doing we, what you need to do. Spurs, However you get it, it doesn't matter. If we beat Spurs, we clinch top four. We can mm. clinch it on Thursday. Um, right, Let, let's just... Interesting point you brought up there, Mitch. Pepe, um, for the time he was on the pitch, he was fairly anonymous. And then he got that ball uh, just near the halfway line where he was he was home and dry, wasn't he? And he had I, Dan James to beat. And yeah. if he had gone to his left, he would have been clear, but he seemed to go to his right slightly. I, I don't know. I, he, he was... was a, yeah, he was looking to go on his right, and he cut back onto his left, didn't he? And he just got tackled. Oh god, he just—he has a negative football IQ. Um, I am like just very excited of moving on from him in the summer. I liked the sub. Like, I like that we were up two 0 They're down to ten men. We're gonna win this game. Let's sub off soccer. Let's let's give him some much deserved rest. Great. Um, let's let's bring on Pepe. Let's let's. But like he just has no uh, ability to like hold the game off. Like when we brought him on, uh, when we were trailing against Wolves, he was really really effective. He was really good uh, because we we had a lot of the ball. We were constantly going forward. Um, we we're trying to retain a victory uh, uh, in in a two one, and you just need to keep the ball. He has an inability to do that. He did the same thing against Aston Villa. He almost lost us the match because he has an inability to hold the ball. Uh, and he just doesn't know what to do with it in certain game states. Um, I'm I'm so excited that we're going to move on from him and cut our losses because uh, he's just frustrating to watch. Um, it was uh, when you look back on that, all he had to do was just take a touch to steady it. And then he's got the power. And he's got the uh, he's got the touch to actually just boot that into the net with the goalkeeper behind him still. 
it was uh, it was one of those ouch moments. And as you say, it underlines the whole Pepe saga. He he just hasn't fitted in. He can't find his feet. He runs off without the ball. When he gets the ball, his feet seem confused. There's there's a little bit of um, wiring that's missing, connecting the feet to the brain. Um, Jay, how annoying was that moment for you? Oh, Mitch, he's nailed it. He has got a very low football IQ. He did the one the one thing in that moment that I don't think anybody anybody on that pitch would have done was be to cut back inside, back into trouble, back into where the players were. Um, I mean, it, it gets it, the more times you watch it, you can't you're struggling to understand what he's doing. Um, it's clear he's, he's, his Arsenal career has been over for all season hasn't it if it you know in a season where we've improved the club's improved you know the so many aspects of the club and the team have improved he's just not been part of it as a and he's just like it's a shame because I, I again I, I do there's a player in there he's got ability but I just don't think he's he's like like Mitch said his, his football IQ is at the level that Mikel wants his team to be at you know you, you look at you could the other end of the spectrum would be like a Tommy Asu who can just come in and just he's instantly on it. Instantly the stats that you brought up, Tom, you know, very rarely puts a foot wrong. And 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 like Pepe's at the other end of the spectrum, isn't he? And it, it, it's gonna be I think we just have to take what we can for him. Um end of the season you know if that's Pikeo Saka who picks up the ball he's going past isn't he he's driving forward takes a touch and scores into an open net um, but Pepe's just not Saka as we've seen just came to me as well that game um, was quite interesting from a lot of the movement went down the left through Martinelli and less down the right there was movement down the right and it's normally all down the right isn't it with a bit on the left but it was all Martinelli was on fire and that brings me to your man of the match. Uh, I I could have. There were so many good performances there. Although some people won't agree with me, I had three people in contention. Uh, Jay, who was your man of the match? Uh, Eddie scored twice, so um, I think got to give it to him. Martinelli, especially in you know the first half, he was he was relentless. He was superb. But I think you've got to give it to the man who scored the winning goals, scored both the goals. So yeah, for me, Eddie, Eddie got it. El Nenny was good again. Don't get me wrong. His, his passing was superb. Um, but yeah, Eddie for me. Mitch? I think that, uh, I think Tommy Asu was fantastic. I think uh, Martinelli was fantastic. I think Xhaka was great. I think Odegaard was, uh, was, was playing really well and combining well. Uh, El Nenny was amazing, but it's Eddie and Gezia. I mean, to, to score the two goals, that's that's huge. Uh, so it's got to be him for me. I appreciated what uh, Enketia did, obviously, and um, those goals were outstanding. And it just goes to show, if, you're, if you don't give up on a ball, if you keep chasing and pressing uh, like he did, like an animal, wasn't he? He was straight in there. And the thing about that first goal was he didn't even put in a burst of pace, did he, to get there first off? He thought he was just going to clear it. And then he, he suddenly saw again that he was a little bit slow. There was some hesitation there trying to get on his preferred foot. And that's when he raced in. But Enketia, great performance. But for me, it was just nice to see Martinelli back. Um, uh, Tommy Asu was great as well. Um, but for me, getting Martinelli back at this sort of level, going into the North London derby and, and these remaining games, uh, can't wait to see what else he's got to offer. But he is lucky to have two ankles 
after that disgusting tackle. Right, chaps, uh, Arteta's signed a new contract yep. that had a uh, a kind of dodgy uh, vibe on social media. Some were pleased and some said uh, about rewarding failure. I don't quite understand what that was about. Your thoughts, Mitch? Uh, I think those people are dumb. Uh, if, if, if you've watched Arsenal all season and you don't see the positive development and the clear, clear direction that we're headed, uh, then I don't know what you're watching. I, I feel like I've said that multiple times on the, on this pod, but like, if, if you don't, if you don't, if you aren't able to look past your own agenda and your own bias that you've created, uh, and and see what uh, Arteta has has been doing this his entire reign uh, as Arsenal manager, then uh, I I don't know what you're watching. Like yeah, he's we've we've he's made some bad decisions. Uh, he's absolutely stumbled. He played William in a false nine last season, like. That was not smart. He's he's made some stupid errors in his time as Arsenal manager. Uh, but you had to mention the, him, didn't you? You had to mention William, the old wet lettuce in a sock. I can't, I, and he's he's not doing very well at the just, moment, is he? Just the thought of William playing a false nine gives me PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's come a long way. Like this is, I mean, it's his first manager job. Um, there's a very very clear project and direction and process that's happening. Uh, and, uh, from everything that's you, you hear, like the players love him, uh, just very respected by everyone at the club. Um, and I'm, I'm the, the fact that he, he said that he was offered the contract right after the Southampton loss. Like that's the amount of faith the club has in him where, yeah, you just lost three straight. Here's a new contract. Um, that's not rewarding failure. That's a faith in a man that you know is going to uh, to bring Arsenal forward. And when we went beat Spurs on Thursday, uh, everyone will shut up, hopefully. No, well, I mean... Let's just include in that, uh, that period right. of failure an FA Cup and a community dish. Exactly. <laughs> Which um, is not a cup, but, you know. At the, at the very least, the FA Cup bought him time to where we were able to have very bad runs of form and it was able to build enough goodwill like that run in November of 2020 uh, and like November, December. And um, that was really key early on for him to be able to have that goodwill that got him this time. And th- this isn't like a, this isn't a seven year extension that's making him the highest paid manager of the league. This is a three year ex- extension. That's like, we trust you, but you still got to earn it. Um, this isn't like, and I, I think that's perfect. I think that's great. Like, uh, show, show faith in, in the project and the direction that you're going. Uh, but by no means don't like put all your chips in. Uh, I have a lot of faith in Arteta. I, I think that we will be going places with Arteta. Uh, and I, I think the, the, the board and the Cronkies, uh, agree with that statement. What do you think, Jay? What's your opinion? Yeah, I was delighted. Um, yeah, I saw that. I saw it on Twitter. It wasn't a surprise. Um, Mitch just summed it up great. Um, the only thing I want to add is, you know, for, for years, um, the last, especially the last few years of, of Wenger and, and obviously Emery and, and, and even, you know, Freddie in the early part of Arteta, I wanted the club to, to get rid of the Deadwood and Mikel's done that. I wanted um, 
for, for a long time, I, Tom, you know this, I didn't like a lot of the players. I didn't like a lot of the aspects of the club. I felt like more than ever, you know, that, that I, I didn't really feel part of it. Well, Mikel has re, re-energised me from that point of view. And I think he's done that to a lot of the fan base. And he's also got us potentially... Well, we're already back into Europe. So I know I've said this to you both before. For me, the season's already been a success because we've progressed. If we can get into the Champions League, if it's still no, we're not we're not there yet, as we know. But if we can get into there, he's he's got us back to where Arsene got us, where we were under Wenger. So he's done for me personally, he's done everything. And like Mitch said, it hasn't been plain sailing. There have been rough periods and I've, I've doubted him myself, but he seems to have learned from the mistakes and it was not a surprise to see. Because um, I saw, I think somebody, uh, there was a few people questioning the timing of the announcement. Like, why was it made then? Well, it was made then, I think, because you've got the mess going on at Chelsea. Um, you know, the uncertainty there. Is it coincidence that the team have, have, are massively underperforming? It might have something to do with how uncertain things are at the club. I think to just announce it and, you know, the show of faith by the by the owners, um, it's only a good thing. And and you only have to look at, you know, Mitch, you've been to you've been to matches this season. I've been to matches this season, home and away. Anybody that goes to the to the games, you know, there is very little negativity inside the ground. You, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago. Nick Arteta. It wasn't that long ago that I would take my son to the games and, you know, you. I was having to shield his ears sometimes, you know, from, 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 for what the, the abuse Arsene would get or certain players like Giroud or, um, you know, other players that were Meza, you know, that, and, and there is none of that now, you know, and that's down to Mikel and it's down to the positivity that he's, 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 he's injected into the training, the, um, you know, everything from interacting with Louis Dunford, you know, every, just, just, just everything. He's, he's done so well and he deserves the contract. Um, and like Mitch said, anybody that's against it is just feeding their own awful, awful agenda now because just there's no place for it is there there's no place for it amongst the fan base now we moved on from that 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 divide you know we're very much united more than ever and um yeah yeah i was delighted delighted i'm having a long-winded answer but yeah i'm so glad that he that he signed the deal because he's a top coach he's only going to get better you see um i've got a different theory about the timing You've got players coming up for renewal of contracts, contract extensions. Obviously, as a player, you wonder if Artes is going to be there. Maybe you want to base your decision on who's in charge. So if you remember a few years back when uh, Wenger was running out of contract and there was that big dithering period over whether he was going to sign a contract and our form just went through the floor. Everyone was out of contract. He wasn't going to be there. Nobody knew whether he was going to sign it. He was making light of it, but our form really went out the window. Now, yeah, uh, the, go on. With that, there was uh, something I, I watched a Thierry Henry like documentary, I think, like on YouTube or something. And if I remember him 
kind of like that uncertainty is why he left the club because he wasn't going to play at Arsenal if it wasn't for Wenger. Um, and so like, you know, having that security and, and having the, like, I think Arteta said something where he was like, yeah, I've had players like asking me, like, am I signing a new contract? And it's like, I don't, I don't know, a lot of uncertainty. I mean, I sure hope Bukasaka was one of those players where uh, a lot, it was like, now that Arteta's signed a deal, if you're Bukasaka, you're like, okay, I'm feeling a little bit more secure. I mean, especially if we qualify for the Champions League, I'm feeling very confident that Saka signs a new deal. Yeah. Um, I'm confident even if we don't, but um, if we make the Champions League, if I'm uh, very, very, very confident that Saka signs a new deal this summer. Um, but I, it's in our hands. It's very exciting. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I uh, replied to this guy on Facebook when he said about uh, rewarding failure. And I said, the framework is finally in place. The club is on a unified path and direction. And as much as I crave success... This was a three to five year project, getting rid of the dross and those that wanted to keep earning for nothing. The ideology is now about the club and the road ahead is not about the individual. Some games have been brilliant. Others have been poor. Uh, but for what we had and where we are now, he deserves the contract. But for those those people that are doubting him, you know, if you to get an honest answer out of those people, you know, what what do they consider to be success? You know, what, where do they realistically expect us to be? You know, OK, we're not we're not destroying teams and we, and we are, you know, we beat Leeds and it was a bit hairy, like, you know, a bit, bit worrying at the end or whatever. Each game's a struggle and all of that. We're not dominating like we used to, but we're getting the we're getting it done. And, and, and it's just what what I'd, I'd be genuinely interested in, in, in if anybody's got a decent sort of comeback, where do they seriously expect us to be? What do they expect from the manager? Like actually genuinely where, where they, because surely we're ahead of everybody's expectations now sitting in fourth, four points clear. And like Mitch said, we can, it's a big if, but if we can get a result at the Spurs stadium, we're in the Champions League. Like God, that, that's, that's way ahead of where anybody Absolutely. When we kicked off against Brentford, that foot kick kickoff, when we had Reese Nelson playing, when we are, you know, nobody would have expected us to be where we are. And I just, I'd just be so interested to, 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 you know, put your agenda to one side. If you genuinely are doubting Mikel still, what do you, what would you, what would make you not doubt him? What would, what winning the league? It's obviously not going to happen, you know. Doing the double FA Cup, it's not going to happen. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just baffling. It really is that there are people out there still not behind him. Well, I did send him an invite. I did say, look, we're recording on Monday. Please come on, give us your point of view. And uh, he kind of said, well, I'm a bit busy. I've got work and stuff. And it was like, yeah, okay, you're one of those ones. Right, let's do the transfer rumours in six words or less. Aaron Hickey, you mentioned him. Uh, are we in or are we out? Uh, I fancy, yeah, it's a good a acquisition for me. Uh, I, let's do it. I, I need to watch more, but uh, let's do it. Yeah, Jay, why not? Yeah, why not? Absolutely, go for it. Nineteen years old too, like very. Uh, say all across, player. all across the back line as well, Carney. I think he can play. Center. Yeah, very, very, very two-footed. So um, he's played a bit in at, um, at right back a little bit as well. Where I mean, if you have that versatility from from both fullbacks with him and Tomiyasu that are yeah. like just unbelievably two-footed, it, it just uh, 
I, I think he could be a perfect player to when we have the when we fully shifted to this four through three, having the eights be higher and the fullbacks being a little more reserved, having two players that can uh, invert and use both feet really, really effectively. Massive. Yeah. Massive. Right. The next one up, Daily Express is saying that Arsenal are going to make a move, another move for Raheem Sterling. Do we really need Sterling if we're going for Jesus? I mean, you know. I think it's one or the other. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think like if like I was saying earlier, if we were to extend Eddie and we don't need a second striker in the summer, we go for someone like Raheem Sterling, where it's a winger that can play both wings, um, and and you know bring some serious quality and and provide a lot of cover as well. Uh, I, I don't know if he'd be my first choice for that role exactly. I think uh, I think I'd look for someone that. Um, that, that that doesn't really eclipse what we're building on with Martinelli, Smithrow, and Saka uh, as wingers. Um, like I don't think you like a lot of Arsenal fans would love uh, Serge Gnabry. Um, you know, former Arsenal player. I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, but like you know, he's a player that you bring in and you're gonna have you're starting him. So do you like bench Martinelli? Do you bench Saka? Like you're not going to do that for a, a signing. So that's the thing, isn't it? You've got to balance this squad now. When you go into the summer, you've got to find people who are going to complement it without disrupting it or turning it over. That's Absolutely. what you've got to do. Yep. Um, so my my six words or less was uh, no thanks. I'll just I I I think if you've got a chance to sign somebody like Sterling, you go and do it. I think yep. if it, we're at a point now, potentially if we and this is all you know, best case scenario, we're in the Champions League. Arteta's in a in a different in a, in a in a much more advanced position as a coach, a young coach who's have had to build a squad that has now achieved more than it probably should have. And we're in the Champions League. Now he's looking at players that can keep us in the Champions League. And I think players like Sterling will do that. Players like Jesus will do that. The chances of Pep selling both of them to us in the same window. Absolutely zero, no chance. One of them, one of them, maybe. Yeah, but yeah. And if, if you know, by all accounts, City have signed Haaland, so he's where does Jesus fit in? You know, he doesn't, yeah. does he? So, but Sterling for me would be a great addition. I think he's a, he's a quality player and he scores goals, but there's Pep, no, Pep's he knows better than that, don't he? He's not going to sell us two in the same window. So, that okay, J- Jay, you got the offer of the pair of them. Which one are you going to pick? Jesus, I think we need yeah. him more than we do Sterling. Mitch? Depends on Kezia. <laughs> uh, That's a fudge of an answer, isn't it? Eh? <laughs> uh, right, let's press on to the emails. Um, we've, uh, oh, no, there's there's one more transfer uh, bit to go through. Six words or less. £34 million pounds we would have to play, pay for Napoli's midfielder, Fabian Ruiz. Anyone seen him, heard him, fancy him? Uh, looks like a solid player, uh, plays in that eight role. Um, I think he seems a little bit more of that well-rounded profile, um, but I haven't watched him enough to really uh, confidently say that. Uh, his contract's out in uh, not this summer, but next summer. So we could uh, hypothetically get him for a pretty cheap, uh, pr- uh, lower price, um, but seems like a really solid player. Uh, so we'll have to see. We've been linked to him before. We'll have to see what those links, if they if they pop up again in the summer. 
What about you, Jay? Have you seen him? Uh, not, I haven't seen much of him. No, I've, I've, I've seen, seen a, little bits. Yeah, um, I've seen a few links to Tielemans. You know, for me, if you're going to spend 34 million, um, I think Tielemans contracts up, isn't it? Or, uh, no, so it's the same thing. Yeah. It's next summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, somebody that's played in the league and, and has done well, I would favour somebody like Tielemans. But to be honest, I'm not an expert on the player. But I'm Tielemans. Is his off the ball work rate worries me a little bit, but uh, I think that's the main concern with with Telemans. But like on the ball, you know, the technical quality that he brings is really, really good, really good stuff. Right, let's go to the emails then. Get ready, get ready to rumble. Oh, um, John Gillespie, um, this is an interesting one. He's given is us it? a choice of two players. You can only have one, like we just discussed. Jay, open this up because it's got your main man. You can either have Nicholas Anelka or you can have Ian Wright. Which one are you going to go for? Yeah, it's, it's going to be right. If you'd have said Thierry Henry or Ian Wright, mm. that's a different one. That's difficult. But yeah, righty every day of the week. Anelka was good, but attitude was terrible. So righty, come on, man. It's Ian Wright. Got to. Mitch. Well, I mean, I remember being at the stands of Highbury watching both of them in like, you know, I, I, I saw them so many games, so many great performances from both in person. Um, I was alive, obviously. Everyone knows this. Um, I grew up in London. It's very clear. All of this. Everyone knows this. This is, you know, this is it's an Arsenal Link podcast. This is, everyone knows this information about me. I'm very clear. Grew up in London. I watched the Highbury. We all know this. So obviously Ian Wright. Um, yeah, you pick him just on personality, wouldn't you? Really? And uh, his I mean, association I, with the fair, club. Yeah, I mean to be fair, I know way more about Wrighty because of like how he is with the club and stuff like that. Uh, but like, I mean, uh, I mean, I've seen Ian Wright clips, and he's just you know, an incredible player. Uh, and uh, you know, Anelka, I don't think had the lasting impact that uh, someone like Wright or Thierry Henry did as, as strikers at the club. As I think talented. the thing is, Anelka could have been a legend. He could have been. He had the talent. He had the pace. He had the eye for goal. He was an exceptional player. But as Jay said, his attitude, it stank. It stank the place out. And to be honest, as much as I liked him, as much as I, I thought he was a skillful player, when he actually packed his suitcase and went, I was quite relieved. It's yeah. club, not player. The money, we got, the money we got for him, what was it? We signed him for, was it half a million and sold him for 23, 23 million and he paid for the training ground. And, you know, and also we ended up signing Thierry from Juventus, didn't we, to replace him. So, you know, some things are just meant to be, aren't they? No. Susan says, it's me again. Uh, do you think Vieira will ever manage Arsenal? What are your objections to that, if any? Hiya, Susan. Uh, I mean, I think... If if you're if you're Arteta out uh, and you want to bring in Vieira, then like that just seems odd to me. Like credit to Vieira, he's been fantastic this season. Palace have looked really good. Um, I think like their underlying statistics have been way better than like their actual performance. So I mean that's due for uh, if they they have another good window, they could have another really good season next year. Could be you know maybe fighting for uh, like top half Conference League kind of positions. Um, but you know, if you, if you, if your main hang, one of your hangups with Arteta is that he's unproven, that there's not a lot of managers in the Premier League that are more unproven than Patrick Vieira. Um, so I, I, I think that, 
I, I don't see Vieira being someone that, that manages our, I, I mean, you know, a lot would have to go down at, at a certain point where we move on from Arteta and then Vieira being uh, Vieira and Arteta's uh, like tracks. They're both going forward right now. Arteta would have to like take a huge dip for that to be the case. So, I mean, we'll see. I can, you know, never say never, but as of right now, it doesn't look likely. It's a bit of an odd conversation to have, isn't it, really? Seeing oh, as for we're, sure. We're all, you know, the timing of this Absolutely. is really not the timing yeah. of the contract extension. Jay, what are you doing? You, you've got your own personal sort of uh, gig going on here. Um, Stan has sent in an email asking you, Jay, uh, just ignore the rest of us. We don't matter. Um, asking you, Jay, uh, where Saliba fits into the the back four, back three. Who would you dispense with if he comes back? Not that you have to dispense with anyone, really, but, you know. Um, Is this you sending me emails to get you involved? Are you sure? (laughs) The reason it's not me. The reason it's not me is because I don't care about Saliba. He's a good player, you know, he's, but, I mean, I think out of the centre-back, if he's going to play centre-back, you know, and we're only going to play two centre-backs, probably Gabriel, but, to be honest, I've, I personally don't see him coming back. I think it's sad. I just don't. I don't know. I, it's, it's tough because he's. You don't want to see him achieve at other clubs, do you? He's there's a player there. He's 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 obviously talented, and you don't want him to be snapped up by anyone else and go on to be the player that he could be for us. I just. Um, I hope he can come back, and he would be a big addition if he's going to if his attitude's going to be right and if he's going to be do you like the rest of the squad you know going to buy into what Mikel wants I hope he comes back if he is going to play I would say that he, well he's probably going to play instead of Gabriel but even then Gabriel and, and and Ben White have established a good partnership haven't they so it's going to be tough he's going to have to work hard to get into the team he's not just going to not just going to walk into the side yeah I, I, I know there's questions for Jay but I, I kind of want to add a little bit too uh, I mean, really, really talented player. Um, depth is very good, especially with being in the Champions League next season, uh, or potentially. Sorry, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, but um, I, I think that having Saliba come back and having him be the third center back would be massive, where he can play the cup matches, come in for a Premier League match with injury or whatever. Depth is very important. It's very important. Would he, happy, would he be happy with that, though? That that's the thing. Will, he, will his ego allow him to be 20, that third centre back? Like he he can't ex, like expect to be starting every match for Arsenal. That's what worries uh, me. That's hey, what no, me. that is what worries me a bit too. That he he has been starting every match for Marseille, yeah. so he could go somewhere else and start every match, um, and that's not a guarantee at Arsenal. Um, and if that's the case, then. Yeah, I, I guess we have to let him walk, but I don't want that to happen because he's so talented. Um, and and uh, he very easily could win a starting position. Like, he very easily could win a starting position. I don't think it's, like, a locked-in thing that Ben White and uh, Gabrielle are our two center backs. But also, he's not going to walk in and just be handed one of their spots. So, I don't know. It's all about his his mentality. If, we, if he wants to fight for a position – uh and and stuff like that but there's absolutely a spot for him next season uh with with the amount of matches we'll, we're playing right, lads, like we've, got to, we've got to wrap it up there um 
What's your uh, prediction for the North London derby? Let's just have that. Jay. Um, I think we're gonna. It's gonna be a draw. I think we're. It's gonna be a score draw. Maybe one all. That's what I'm gonna go for. One all. Mitch. Uh, two nil to the Arsenal uh, Saka winner <laughs> with a penalty. Come on. <laughs> Very precise. Uh, so tough. I'm draw- I'm drawn between a two-two draw because there is goals in that game, or a really grubby, awkward, difficult ground out one-nil. And I think I'm going to go for the one-nil. We'll do one-nil. We do it in their backyard, and we'll send them out with a nosebleed again. That would do me nicely. Yeah, awesome. That'd be ideal. Chaps, it's been an absolute pleasure once again to have the old podcast family back. I'm giving you a sort of virtual hug here. Uh, We'll see you for the the big one. Right, take care, chaps. Look after yourselves. Bye-bye. See you later. Hey, up, cocker, I'm a Yorkshire man. Rose white, not red. Yorkshire born and bred. Hey, up, cocker, I'm a Yorkshire man. Careful, not tight. Don't take any rubbish. Oh, Yorkshire. Denby, Dale, Brid, Leeds and Darnie. Oh, Yorkshire. Sheffield, Halifax and Ponty. Wow. I'm a Yorkshire lass Love a brew I'm Yorkshire like Doctor Who Hey up cocker I'm a Yorkshire lass Got northern grit And gravy on my chips Oh Yorkshire Bradford, Barnsley, Leeds and Wakey Oh Yorkshire Sheffield, Rotherham and Ponty Wow I'm a Yorkshire fan Yorkshire moors And dales that go on For miles and miles See those dales, man! Judy Dench, Keith Lemon and Mel B Betty's, Tetley's, Yorkshire Tea Metrodome, Otley Shevin, Cow and Calf Black Sheep, Northern Monk, a pint, not half Smarties, Kit Kat, Terry's Chocolate Micklegate, Harrogate, Rip My Wap My Gate, Peace Hall, Meadow Hall, Alton Hall, Chuckle Brothers, Brownlee Brothers, we've got them all. Two Ikeas, Fox Valley, Batley's The Mill, Jenkin, Castle, and Jessica Ennis Hill, Hendo's, Leeds Rhinos, Summer Wines, Compo, Rhubarb, Haribo, Gino Sheffield, De Campo, Emmerdale, Cannon Hall, Longleaf Farm, The Premier League for Huddersfield Tarn, Dinner is at lunch and tea you have at six. We totally smash it in the Olympics. Oh, Yorkshire! Denby, Dale, Bridge, Leeds and Darnie. Oh, Yorkshire! Sheffield, Halifax and Ponty. Wow! Let's wind back the clock. 
September the 4th, 1979, Arsenal played Leeds. The final score was 7-0. It was at Highbury. It was a League Cup second round, second leg. Arsenal's most sparkling display for several years gave them their best ever League Cup win and inflicted on Leeds their heaviest defeat in the competition. The result was spectacularly unexpected. A week earlier, the sides had drawn in first leg 1-1 at Ellen Road and a first division clash three days later after that had ended 1-1 in Yorkshire. But at home, Arsenal meant business from the off with Liam Brady, Graham Ricks and Sammy Nelson creatively mesmeric on the left. John Hollins was the inspirational midfielder, while strikers Frank Stapleton and Alan Sunderland gave the visitors' defence a torrid time. Now, a drunken Dave had an issue. <laughs> he came round our house. He was rotten. A drunken Dave had an issue with Stephen Fry, the writer, actor, comedian, notorious for his IQ and extensive knowledge of just about everything. Dave says, if he knows so much, why isn't his head bigger? He argued surely a normal head would be full. So if he had a bigger head, he'd have more room for things like how many grapes it takes to fill a size eight shoe. <laughs> I'm not sure. Even Stephen Fry knows the answer to that, Dave. Oh, he was stocious. He added, so he could tell you who invented the moth, but give him a challenge and he's not out for it. That sounded a bit like Captain Jack Sparrow, didn't it? It's an Arsenal thing, it's an Arsenal thing. Believe it or not, it's an Arsenal thing. With football and transfers, you know you'll bring. You're listening to It's an Arsenal thing. Right, we're all done here. My thanks to the podcasters who are Silent Dave. You can find him on Twitter as SilentDave101. That's also the home of Jay, who you can find as the Bald Gooner. While you're at it, check out Mitch at Mitch Piotta and look up his blogs on Pain in the Arsenal and the Arse Review. Shout outs to Brandon Murphy and all the guys at Arse Devils for the latest transfer news and analysis. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and you can find the audio version on Apple, Spotify and Anchor. Please follow and like. The YouTube version is also up and running. Not to be confused with the audio version. Check it out and please subscribe. Want to feature on the show as a guest or say hi or ask a question? Drop us a line at itsanarsenalthing4 at gmail.com. And finally, thanks for your continuing support, whether you watch or listen. Take care, look after each other, and above all else, remember, North London is red. (laughs) 